this is the third episode of this show that I've recorded this week, so I need to think of something else. I mean, of course, it's not the third episode. We're recording this the day of. I'm surprised you don't smell the, you know, grilling going Mm, on outside. So good. Mm, At eight in the morning. have a very special guest with me. He is a former Marine, or how does that work now? Yeah, people get upset with that. I know ex-Marine is totally off the board. Former Marine is fine with me, but then at the same time, people will say, once a Marine, always a Marine, which is absolutely true. So I guess former Marine is fine. We've known each other for... since I was five. Since kids, so my goodness, 25 years? Yeah, something like that. I mean, what was it? I know we used to share the same classroom. Yeah, we went to the same little school that's no longer there. Sad Mm -hmm. story. It's actually, uh, I've heard, a middle school alternative ed program. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been torn down. It's still in use. Yeah. Go back there every now and then. Yeah. I've only been back there once. Okay. So, yeah, we, we didn't meet in the classroom even though we shared the same teacher we apparently met in soccer yeah aso soccer yeah (laughs) (laughs) i then happen to live in the same neighborhood yeah i I don't and like i'm trying to think i don't remember how we became friends i think we just happened to be on the same team could be yeah it's been so long ago (laughs) yeah our brains aren't even nearly the same as they were before yeah We're recording super early today because, um... Because I have kids and they wake me up early. Yeah. Sure, that's his excuse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, oh yeah, duh. It's, uh, this episode's going to be coming out on Memorial Day. I didn't even plan this. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so, I mean, this episode, we're recording this episode on Memorial Day. So, even though we aren't real, are we... I'm confusing you guys. I'm using my hands, even though you can't see me. Um, But yeah, so happy Memorial Day? I know it isn't exactly your holiday. You're a veteran's day guy? That's another weird one. Memorial Day (laughs) takes on a whole different meaning. So I don't know. Uh Like, I mean, granted, most people just think of it as like, uh, you know, hamburger, hot dog, grilling thing. Start of summer, yep. But at the same time, like, there's the whole, you know, those who didn't come back from war aspect. Yep, can't forget them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but it seems like maybe one of the best things to do with that is to just enjoy a day. Yeah. Because they sacrifice their life to, you know. For us to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, so without getting off topic too much oh gosh no off topic is good <laughs> off topic is really good that's where we get our best stuff all right so there in the, like the veteran community there's uh of course with the global war on terror in afghanistan iraq the current stuff that we're in <clears throat> we have lots of combat veterans out there and um you know a lot of them are out now so we have this you're seeing veteran companies pop up uh whiskey's a big one coffee's a huge one 
skits on YouTube are big. Clothing. Am I wearing it? No, I'm not wearing any veteran clothing. Um, so there's this dichotomy where people come back and they're just very into them being a veteran. And sometimes that manifests by being jerks and being selfish. Um, but some people like to kind of lord that over other people. And so, yeah, you get to like Memorial Day and stuff. And it's like, well, you can't have any fun because I lost friends. But that's it's not the point. Like mm -hmm. The point is to remember those people. And not take their sacrifice for granted. But they didn't do it so you could be sad the whole time. And so there's this other side of, you know, the veteran community that realizes that and um, kind of gets annoyed by the, the other side. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's some back and forth. But, oh. um, like, we do recognize that it's not all mm -hmm. about sadness. It's about enjoying the freedoms that we have here and not taking it for granted. Good. Yeah. Well, thanks for being succinct about that. Now, now let's. <laughs> so, how was your week this week? Pretty good. Um, work keeps me busy, and I've got two kids one on the way, so that definitely keeps me busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, like outside of work, what sort of you're you're a gun enthusiast, right? Or yeah, I don't get to do or play with guns as much as I. Um, like to or used to, uh, you know, other priorities, kids, and, and spending time with the wife. How dare you be right? a family man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am looking forward to the day that my kids are old enough to um, go out shooting with me. Um, so most of my free time is spent on computers because that's what I do for a living. Um, and I'm studying for it like a certification test right now so that's really where all my time goes oh that's awesome uh i know you were the first person i ever shot with and that was what about six months ago yeah something Ish. like that uh -huh. um which by the way we have to go shooting again well so no. <laughs> you wanted to go shooting again and i absolutely do too I, I i just don't get out very often and so i think i think uh maybe I know I was disappointed, but maybe you're a little disappointed we didn't get to go out that next weekend. But here's no. here's the funny thing: the next time I went shooting was two weeks ago. So. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I completely understand yeah. that. I remember that day was like my super manly day because I did that, and then we watched. Uh, I watched Judge Dredd. Oh yeah. For the um the other podcast that's on this network, quote unquote guilty. A guilty pleasure podcast hosted by Joe Sanders, who's normally a co-host here. And then after that, like I cut up wood to you know put in a fire yeah. and have a bonfire. Yeah, so it was definitely like manly man day. Yep. <laughs> Even though like I am like not a man. <laughs> you are a man, <laughs> barely. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my week. Let's see here. Nothing interesting happened. Um, I went to work. Boring's good. Mm -hmm. Actually, today's uh, going to be an interesting day. Um, there's a event here in Kalamazoo called the Peace Pizzazz, which uh, was supposed to happen at Bronson Park, but because there's going to be rain... Uh, what's happening is we're holding it inside of a um you know, an elementary school uh so basically all it is this the best way how you can describe it is imagine like hippies for you know children and families 
that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, it, it's a fun event, but basically it's just all celebrating peace, which is good and fun, but, um, yeah, it, it gets a little hippie-ish at times, because everyone's, like, all about world peace, but there's, they don't know, they're like, oh, it's done by love, which is something good for, you know, kids to learn. Absolutely. But sometimes it's like, eh. Well, wasn't it General Schwarzkopf that said something like, every soldier worth his salt is um, anti-war? Mm. Something along that effect. Mm -hmm. I mean, and what was it? Eisenhower said something along the lines of, uh, if you've ever been to war or something, like, essentially war is bad. Yeah, it so. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Right. Um, but yeah, so that was my week. Um, oh, yeah. Duh. Today's episode is going to be about PTSD, by the way, so I guess kind of trigger warning, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never given out a trigger warning, so you know this show is about mental health, and you know that I am not a professional, nor is my guests, nor is anybody who's on the show. I will let you guys know when a professional is on the show. <laughs> One of my favorite memories between you and I was uh, my senior year of high school. I was sending out invitations, and, like, you and I haven't talked, didn't talk for, like, about four years, or, you know, yeah, somewhere around there. Right. Like, I think eighth grade was the last time we did anything mm -hmm. together. And then, so I was filling out invitations, and then I was like, meh, I'll throw one out to me too. <laughs> because, you know, we, we've been friends. Like, uh, we lived in Kalamazoo together, and then uh, I moved away to Alma, and every once in a while you'd come and visit, or we'd send actual snail mail letters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which old was school. Yeah. Which, yeah, it was fun, but I wish we had email back then, or Skype. Oh, man. Skype oh, no would have been great. Yeah. And then um, I moved back down to Decatur, so we hung out a little bit more often, but after a while, you know, we had our own friends from school, so we started hanging out with them. And then I was like, I was filling out that invitation and I sent it. And, like, I completely forgot about it. <laughs> and then, like, I was, I had to go out and get something. And then I drove up and I saw this guy and I was like, he looks familiar. And then I saw, oh my god oh my gosh, it's you! <laughs> so I quickly ran over and, um, you know, shook hands or whatever. I can't remember. But we ended up talking, and you were like, "We." I remember the big bombshell I told you was my parents were divorced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, you know, we were talking like normal, and uh, the like within the last ten minutes before you left, you're like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm in the Marines now or I'm going, going in, to boot camp. Going to boot camp for the Marines. <laughs> and it's like what? Because this is when like the war was pretty hot, if I remember correctly, in oh four. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Oh four, so so uh so you went to the Marines. Yep. And so what was boot camp like? Um boot camp was interesting i guess uh similar to the marine corps as a whole where you got some really fun times and some really bad times 
uh, it was a culture shock. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, so boot camp for the Marine Corps, if you're west of the Mississippi, and uh, if you know geography, you know that Michigan is east of the Mississippi. Uh-huh. Uh, but for some reason, we still go out to San Diego. Yeah. Marine Corps logic. Um, uh, because I had a I have a friend who's a former Marine. He's like about 20 years older than us. And he said, I was like, I wasn't sure if you guys went down south or or you know over to north carolina or over to california and he Mm -hmm. said oh we go over to california and i was like i wasn't sure which one you went to but san diego they call us hollywood marines Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah the first thing is i'm sitting in the airport um oh i forget what it's called now but there's a room for uh active duty uso yeah the uso uso um so we're sitting there and this drill instructor comes in and he just yells out, and he goes, um, who's going to boot camp? And we're like, uh, I guess, I think we are, so do we get over here? And then he just started dropping F-bombs all over the airport. Like, <laughs> get the F over, I can say that right Yeah, now. oh like, yeah. Get the F over here right after now! And we're like, oh my gosh, can he say that in an airport? <laughs> I guess he can. And then it was from zero to 60 from that point. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, boot camp was three months long. Um, it's mostly a mental game. Once you get past the fact that even if you don't mess up, you'll still get thrashed, um, then it gets a lot easier. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I, because I watch YouTube videos more than I should, I ended up watching, like, boot camp videos. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you just get yelled at. It's just a barrage of getting yelled at. And, like, my this is how I know that I was definitely not made for any military service because I, like, my first reaction was, oh my god, I'm in trouble. And, and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be quiet and curl up in this little ball. <laughs> like, yeah. that's that's all I would be doing. <laughs> and that's what they don't want you to do. So it's, it's weird. So then you'd get yelled at for yeah. Yeah, yeah, then the vicious cycle continues. It's weird, because everything they do has a, a reason, and it's a good thing. Um, I mean... Unless they make a mistake, but <laughs> drill instructors don't make ex- mistakes. But yeah, like the yelling at you, the getting in your face, the wanting you to, to back down and break, it's so that they can build you back up, and it's so that you can function well under that much stress, because when you're in combat, it's going to be more stressful than that. If you can't handle it in boot camp, then then you know you're not made out for the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, so uh, three months of mind games, I came, um, I was a cross-country runner in high school oh, and yeah. played baseball, so the physical parts weren't too difficult. Oddly enough, I ran a 1657 5K at state uh, cross country um, like seven months before boot camp, but then I couldn't break 18 minutes in the Marine Corps. So Oh, oh how <laughs> how dare you. Right. No. <laughs> that was a long yeah. time ago. I forgot you were, yeah, you were like an athlete before. Like, mm-hmm. even back in middle school, didn't you, you were on like a at least a regional baseball team? Yeah, I played on a lot of travel um, baseball teams, mostly around the region, but then I did get to go to Australia and uh, in Europe for a couple of weeks to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. Taught me a lot, too, because I had to raise my the money to get there, so um, thousands of letters written by hand and address. <laughs> I got very familiar with zip codes in Michigan. Uh-huh. Well, it's so funny that... Yeah, now you really during that time you would have really loved an email oh, system. So much easier. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm surprised you didn't type them up because your father was like super into computers. Yeah, um, he thought I would get. He's probably right that I would uh-huh. get a better response with a handwritten letter. Yeah, yeah, he's right because yeah. that proves that you actually did something. But yes, yeah. I mean, <laughs> even to this day, if I get a handwritten letter, I'll absolutely read it, open it, and uh-huh. you know, and anticipate it. And so they've gotten tricky with those stupid inks. Like it looks oh so close to a real oh, handwritten man. letter. Yeah, I yeah, that's irritating. It is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you were a pitcher, right? Or am I crazy? I I was a pitcher for a while. Um, once I got into the higher levels, like uh, varsity baseball and stuff, I was not cut out to be a pitcher. I played second base um, in some right field. Mm-hmm. They would bring me in if we were up by a ton or down by a ton. Yeah. What What were your pitches? Do you uh, remember? I had um, a fastball. I had pretty good control. So mm-hmm. I could hit up, down, left, right. Um, and usually I was so much slower than what they were used to that it was like a constant change-up to throw them off guard. Uh-huh. So that worked out. And then near the end of uh, high school, I got a decent curveball. And now I have a pretty good curveball, a lot better than high school. Really? I don't get to use it. I was going to say, are you in like a baseball team or no, something No, like I that? wish. Yeah, I don't know if they have any like beer leagues around here. Mostly baseball, softball. Beer. Yeah, but that's softball. It's not quite the same. It's no. still fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, baseball with Philip. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you were in boot camp. Uh, boot camp was, once you got over the mental game, like, I completely understand why they do it, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you need to be able to act under stress yep. because... Last I heard, you know, battlefields might be a little bit stressful. Yeah, no timeouts. Yeah. <laughs> no sick yeah. days? No sick days. Really? Wow. Oh, fun story with that. Man, I'm... <laughs> Let's hear it, if you don't mind. Oh, it was just... Uh, it's a quick... Yeah. Um, we were on patrol, and we were just going house to house, talking to people. It's a lot like police work out there when I was in uh, in country. Oh. <laughs> um, Pause. Just one second. Oh, yeah. Make sure... If you have a cell phone, you yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> yes, I know what I'm, I'm doing. Uh, yes, <laughs> I am the professional here. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I don't know what it was, if I ate some bad Iraqi food or drank their water or what, but I got diarrhea bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no sick days. So we're on patrol, and I've got 70, 80 pounds of gear on me, oh, and I've got to go, like, instantly. Uh-huh. We can't just, like, there's no bathroom break, so uh-huh. I had to go next to this building and like people are around me making sure nothing happens and I have to pull off all the stuff and you know pop a squat yep so they say yep do that real quick hope it doesn't come back and then move on with the patrol so oh man that was fun yeah man life is so tough like I like when the bat when the toilet seat gets really cold like that just ruins my day you know oh yeah (laughs) I hear ya Oh, yeah. Like, life just can't get much worse after that. <laughs> well, to make it even more humiliating, when you're out there, you got to pack everything out that you take in. So, like, if you poop, they give us, I'm not kidding, they give us little gallon-sized bags with kitty litter in it, and you poop in it, and you get to carry it home with you. So, you literally become a cat. You're just like a cat, yes. God. <laughs> Except a little less of a a hole. Hopefully, I don't know. We are Marines. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
finish boot camp. <laughs> no sick days. Yep. But then you you were in Iraq, right? Operation yeah. Iraqi Freedom. Yep. Was it? Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. So what was it like? Because you went straight from boot camp. I know you spent a little bit of time in Kalamazoo because we ended up meeting before. Yeah. You so left. Uh, when you joined the Marine Corps, and they've changed it, tweaked it just a little bit. Um, but every Marine is a rifleman, so that means no matter what job you have, if you are an admin person, um, a radio operator, whatever, you uh, get trained in boot camp on how to shoot your rifle, your rifle effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go through that same training. So if you go in the Marine Corps, or I'm sorry, if you go in the infantry, um, you go to a two-month follow-on training for infantry. So that's tactics, patrolling, like machine guns, um, claymores, grenades, net, land nav, um, watch, you know, just all the stuff that you would have to do uh, in the infantry. Now, mm-hmm. if you, again, are not in the infantry, you still have to go through some more combat training. So instead of two months... When I was in, it was a two-week period, so you'd get to shoot some of the heavier machine guns, but not all of them like like infantry would. And then you go off to your secondary schooling, so radio operator school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're active duty, you go straight from your secondary schooling once you complete that to your unit, and you're good to go for your four years. But I was a reservist, so um, I did all of my training up front, and then you go back to your reserve center, and you do your work, school, whatever you're doing, and you have... Um, they call it drill it's your weekend duty once a month and then two weeks of uh, active duty during the year so it was weird because when I went to boot camp in SOI you're with the same group of sorry school of infantry that's the secondary school for infantry yeah. um, it's uh, be ready for a lot of acronyms yeah there acronyms are a ton of acronyms <laughs> um, so you go through the training with all these same guys so essentially the last seven months or I'm sorry five months I've been with these guys and half of them go active duty and you know you're going straight to war right away mm-hmm. and the other half are going to the reserve, reserve stations or whatever mm-hmm. um, so it was it was a little bittersweet because uh, it didn't quite feel right and one of my friends um, he was like how did he say it just essentially that it sucks that they're going off to war and like we're going home to chill and not do anything mm-hmm. um, so it was a weird feeling but yeah, I got back to my unit, and it was talk of deployment from the get-go, but it took took uh, two years before we actually got deployed, I think. Okay. But yeah, we were deployed to Fallujah in 06, 07, um, and so when most people hear Fallujah, they think of Phantom Fury, which was in 04, mm-hmm. that's where the Marines, um, the U.S. had taken over the city, like, quelled it down, and then things got hot again. And so in 04, the Marines, like, littered, like, literally littered, dropped papers from planes saying, we're coming into your city, get out. We had loudspeakers, you know, we had people in there telling them, essentially, we wanted only bad guys left in that city. So that would uh, create more lax ROEs. And uh, it makes it, which is... Oh, our... rules of engagement. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what most people think of. It's the house-to-house fighting. It's very intense. Lots of casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, in 06 when I got there, we were getting more attacks per day in 06 than we were in 04 during that intense thing. Oh, really? So it was very strange, but there was a huge transition. And if you recall, the surge was happening in 07. Um, and General Petraeus walked down a street, a main street in Fallujah without a Kevlar, and that was a street we went on many times, and that would not have 
crossed anyone's mind to do like four months before that. So it was a, mm-hmm. it was a weird transition. But yeah, it was pretty intense when we were over there. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that's like a lot of information, which yeah. is great. Um, yeah, your mindset is completely different from mine. Again, right. no, it's perfectly fine. Um, because you were trained. Like, my thought, again, being a sane human being <laughs> is, like, well, sane. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> is don't, you know, let's not go towards the gunfire. Let's, you know, stay nice and cozy at home. Yeah, you guys were, are like, oh, yeah, of, of course. You know, you go into battle. That's what you're supposed to do. That's right. Uh-huh. And, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> now, what was it like? Uh, what airline did you fly? I hear sometimes airline it's airlines that take you in, right? Yeah, so the trip out there is a long one. Uh, we were doing most of our training in California, so we left on a civilian plane from California. And I, I don't remember the actual airline. Um, How dare you, I sir? I know, right? We'll say we'll say uh, United. They've been okay. battered enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, nor- wait, Northwest, Northwest. Southwest? No, oh. Northwest. Aren't they the ones that like beat up the guy and probably? I don't uh, know. There's been so many bad. <laughs> yeah, but the cool thing about the flight out there is, you know, we're all military, so they were really chill with us. Like the flight crew is joking with us and uh-huh. just like gaffing off the. Uh, you know the pre-boarding instructions and all this stuff it's like if you don't know this by now well you deserve to die um so that was cool oddly enough we uh can't carry rifles on the plane Mm -hmm. was it under oh that reminds me you had a rifle that was your own Mm -hmm. was that from like essentially the beginning of boot camp until you re resigned Uh, retired uh, get discharged. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, no, boot camp, again, maybe our perspective or uh, mentalities are a little different, but we're training to be Marines. We're training uh-huh. to go out there, um, you know, get in combat and kick butt. Yeah. Um, but in boot camp, we lock up rifles every single night. Oh, yeah. And it's just weird. Like, uh-huh. I'm going to be using this on a daily basis. And, like, do rifles get swapped out? Yeah, so in boot camp, they're not very. Wait, I did have my own. Yeah, you would have to know your serial number. Yeah, just like normal. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, you had your own rifle in boot camp, and that lasted until boot camp. But then it stays there. So SOI had my own rifle, um, and then when you get to your oh, unit, SOI, sorry, School of Infantry. Okay. Yep. Um, and then when you get to your unit, you have your own rifle, and it might get switched out a couple times. I think I had two or three in the six years I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've got your own. It's got a serial number. Um, there's other pieces of serialized gear that you're going to have to know the the number for and keep track of. It's usually kept on your rifles. Um, uh-huh. So uh, when I was deployed, we had Surefires. We had an infrared laser. We had a RCO, which is like a four times mag scope. Okay. Um, and then whatever else you wanted to toss on, on your rifle. So some people had fancy magazine holders or fancy three-point slings. Um, what did you, you do? It out. Like just a two point, or uh, we were issued three points, oh, which okay. are handy because um, it's like a triangle around you. So when you let go of it, it turns into sort of a two point sling, and it just slings around yeah. you. But when you're holding it, it, it um, at, at the ready, it uh, 
acts as if you have a one-point sling around your arm, so it stabilizes okay. um, your rifle as you're using mm-hmm. it. And it also makes it easier to carry on your back. Yeah. And it makes the transition from going to your back to ready Yeah, you can have it quick. slung around your back, and you just swing your hips, and it'll come up around, and you can grab it. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did airsofting. I know exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Airsoft the exact same fun. thing. Yep. I do, you know, 360 no-scopes, and... Hot dang. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the real warrior now, man? You could lose an eye, you know. <laughs> My dad lost his eye. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, two things before we get to, like, the actual PTSD sort of yeah. thing. Like, we aren't going to get into too much detail unless you want to. We'll but um, first off, your family, for some odd reason, your generation, everyone is somehow either a marine or married to a marine yeah despite the fact that your family really wasn't a marine or even military family yeah we had like some uncles that were in the air force you know during world war one and world war two we had family members in but it's Mm -hmm. not like they were career people that this was ingrained in my dad he lost his eye um when he was in fifth grade so he wasn't eligible to be in the military um but yeah i'm a marine my brother's a marine my sister married a marine um they're just all around us. Uh-huh. That's weird. So, but you were the one who started it. You did it yes, first. I'm the trendsetter. Uh-huh. So <laughs> you're the like the piece of mold that helps spread out. I'll, I'll come up with a better uh, <laughs> metaphor Analogy. later. All right. <laughs> I, I'm so bad at metaphors. I'm like a guy who's bad at metaphors. Ah, so, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second thing I wanted to ask, because you like baseball, you were in the Marines in San Diego. I've seen sometimes when the Detroit Tigers go to San Diego, you see that they bring a class of Marines to San Diego, the game, to a Padres game, which is sad because they're the Padres, so yeah. they are not the best. Yeah. And I lost my one of my other three listeners, so... Aww. Dang it. Um, no, but anyway, uh, were you able to go to one of those? or? Yeah. So it's funny because there's a very generous individual who um, gifts the Marine Corps those seats. So they're free for the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And so they rotate. Uh, it's in your third phase, which is in the last month of boot camp. Okay. You get to go to this uh, Padres game, um, which is awesome because um, you don't get out when you're in the Marine Corps so or when you're in boot camp. Uh-huh. You get to call your family like twice. You never get to eat at like a real chow hall. Um, Mail's all you get. So there's no contact. And, and you're just, you know, stuck doing that. So to go uh, out in the civilian world again is amazing. Now, I don't know how other drill instructors do it, but ours decided to not give us any rules going out mm-hmm. to the game. And then, of course, and we were allowed to take money, our money out. So we stuffed our faces with pizza, pop, cotton candy, all this junk food we oh, haven't had for two months. Like, this is awesome. Exactly. And we got back, and our drill instructors went off and were like, who told you you could do that? Da, 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 da. Oh, we got thrashed so hard. I think the entire platoon, about 110 of us, were throwing up by the end of that. And yeah, I was going to say, not only, like, you guys aren't used to that type of food anymore. Yeah. So, and... Last I checked, Marines, at some point, even throughout the whole thing, you have to do strenuous exercise. Oh, definitely. Last, yeah, that 
not a good nice. combo. You, you, you've already experienced the diarrhea yes. aspect of yes. the military it life by that time. It was worth it, though. That was so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those poor souls are going to get thrashed in about two hours when they get back, <laughs> but they'll be, it'll be worth it. What Do you remember who they were playing? Were you even paying attention to the game? or? Oh, gosh. Man. I, I know. I'm asking you questions that you never thought you'd have to answer. <laughs> yeah. I want to say maybe the Dodgers, but I can't remember. I mean, I was still I'm a huge baseball fan, so Uh you'd think I'd remember that. Yeah. Uh, In 04, Tony Gwynn wasn't playing anymore, was he? I don't think he was. No, Gwynn was out, I think, uh, back in like 2003, 2002. That would have been awesome to see. Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh So, anyway, back to baseball with Philip. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, you get over to Iraq, you're... Uh, you went straight into Fallujah Airport, or yeah. So we fly into um, Kuwait because uh-huh. uh, it's too dangerous to fly into Fallujah like that yeah. or Iraq as a whole. Um, mm. And so then we took a charter bus from Kuwait to a, I think it was Fallujah Mechanical. I don't know. No, it was like TQ or something like that, a larger base. Which is TQ? Altakatum. Is... I can't. Oh, oh, okay. Um, a city of Yeah, a larger sort. base. And then from there, we took uh, a military convoy full of seven tons, Humvees, and probably a couple other types of vehicles, from the large base to our battalion's base. And then from there, we took another convoy to what's called the forward operating base. Um, it would not be like a base on any large map. Um, it was called Bob Black, and uh-huh. nobody knew what it was, uh-huh. which was fine. So I guess now the... Tip of the spear is what they call it. Oh, okay. So way out there. Um, so yeah, we settle into this base. For a couple days, we do left seat, right seat, which means the leaving unit, we sit next to them, we watch them do their daily operations, we try to get a hang of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we switch, they watch us, and then they're gone. So we've sent leadership ahead of most of the unit by that point. So leadership has been there like a week, okay. learning the area and stuff. Um, but yeah, once, you know... What was it? About October time frame? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on our own, so it was a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm sure one of the things they teach you is confidence is probably one of the more key aspects. Yep. But, like, I'm pretty sure you, you had to have been scared. Oh, like, we're, we're all scared. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. It's not, what is it? Uh, fear isn't what... Uh, what is it? Courage isn't a lack of fear. Courage is doing something despite having fear, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh-huh. I'm <laughs> throwing out quotes. <laughs> I'm throwing out somewhat quotes. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, one of these days. Do you mind talking about like your first time out? Yeah. So um, our rotation was. I went with um, uh, five black contained. Um. Our, 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 our company, which was roughly 250 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is three infantry platoons, a weapons platoon, and some support people. Okay. Um, and so how we did it is there, were, there wasn't enough space in our fob for everyone. So we had a rotation of long ops, which means a unit goes off the base and takes over an Iraqi's house and stays there and does patrols from that house mm-hmm. for a couple weeks. Then we had short ops which meant the unit, or the platoon, 
just did uh, patrols from the fob, and then I forget what we called the other one and what all was entailed, but it was like guard duty. Uh -huh. um, it was QRF, which stands for Quick Reaction Force, and their duty is to, uh, within five minutes of any time while they're on duty, um, they have to be in their vehicles with their gear on, ready to go anywhere uh -huh. in the area of operation. Yeah, so they're, they are essentially making sure the base is safe and also... Uh, the Calvary, like they're yeah. your yeah, and then yes. they'll also go to one of the larger bases to get mail and food and medical mm -hmm. supplies, so they'll resupply us. Yeah, so they're yeah, they're essentially, for lack of a better term, like the housekeepers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my unit started uh, on long ops, so we went off, of course, <laughs> right, right off, right off the bat. <laughs> yep, why not? Um, we started off. Uh, we took over this person's house, and the way Iraq is is. Uh, Villages are really like family groups, so um, it's kind of weird to talk about it from an Americanist perspective because we're used to so much freedom. If the police came in and said, I'm taking over your house, we'd say, I'd really rather you not. <laughs> and if they said, too bad, we'd be like, well, I've got nobody around me. I'm kind of screwed. Uh -huh. Can I say that? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Screwed is fine. All right. Um, but when we kick somebody out, A, we pay them, um, and then they just go next door to their brother's house. Oh, so it doesn't. Uh -huh. It's not quite as bad as it sounds. Yeah. So it it's really you are renting yeah. a house from someone forcibly renting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's essentially uh, oh, what is that? Um, shoot, uh, the house. Never mind. This is <laughs> welcome to dealing with Philip, where I think of stuff and I can't remember what it's called. I'm used to that too. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, so we do long ops. We're doing patrols from there. Um, and if I recall correctly, oh, that was that was maybe our second patrol. Okay, so our first patrol was like a night patrol. Um, we're going out. We didn't really see anything. We're on our way back, and we've got like flashers on us to um, uh -huh. that you can only see with night vision goggles. Uh -huh. The IR. Yeah, yeah, IR. Uh -huh. um, and so we're calling in our position, our distance out, where we're coming from. You know, all to when we go back to our base, and we're getting Rogers. You know that they mm -hmm. see us and we're good. Well. And this is another weird thing to talk about, but it, dogs in Iraq uh -huh. are not dogs. Like, they are dogs, but you can't think of them as American Western, like, regular oh, dogs. They are wild, vicious animals. They're more like foxes or wolves. Or okay. They travel in the pack. They rip everything apart. The uh -huh. Iraqis typically hate them. Uh -huh. um, so anyway, this pack of wild dogs just starts charging at us and attacking us. So course we start shooting them because we have to protect ourselves uh -huh. um so i hope it doesn't upset oh. too many people but we <laughs> killed a bunch of dogs out there uh -huh. um so anyway we light up these dogs one of my friends on the roof of this base goes oh someone just effed up and just lights us up and just fires his machine gun at us thinking we were bad guys so <gasps> yeah luckily he's a poor shot went over <laughs> our heads oh my gosh we hit the deck and uh you know it gets all cleared up and we go back in, but that was my first time being shot at by our own guys. I mean, better be your brother than yeah. your enemy, but at the same time, oh man, like, number one, that would just suck in general, Yeah. but also, like, if you had gotten injured, you, you mm -hmm. could have gotten a purple heart by friendly fire. Yeah, well. Or, I'm not sure if it'd be a purple heart, but. I, yeah, I'm not actually sure, but. Either way, Probably. you would have been hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you might have been taken out of... Yeah. Gone, yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, but... the weird thing is, um, 
like we've joked about it a few times now, we never once discussed that in country. Like, he knows he messed up. We know he messed up. No need to talk about it. <laughs> like, we just moved on. Yeah. Ooh. So, um... Let's see here. Uh... I know we've talked about... You were... You and... You were the driver of your crew, right? Yep. 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 Um... And... I know you told me, uh, number one, you told me that driving was, driving just sucked over there because oh, yeah. you had to go, what, two miles an hour? Yeah. Um, the tactics at the time uh, were they would lay IEDs in the road, um, and if you went fast, they were doing, uh, using Christmas tree lights, putting them over the road, and so you would run over these lights and it would detonate the bomb. No need for somebody to watch it at that point. It's very deadly, very genius. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to combat that, you drive slow so you can see the Christmas tree lights. Uh -huh. So yeah, like we're talking five miles an hour at max, and if you want to have a fun game and go insane, try driving five miles an hour Yeah, like, for months. <laughs> for, <laughs> God. Uh, so like traffic jams must kind of make you, like it's not the same, but you must be like, Oh, I, I know where to put my foot. <laughs> yeah, I hate traffic. I will drive, I will I will spend more tri time driving around the traffic jam than uh -huh. going through it just so I don't have to do that. I hated that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, driving was one of the more dangerous things out there, especially if you were the lead vehicle, which I typically was because of those Christmas tree lights. It's going to hit that first vehicle. The uh -huh. ones behind you are going to be safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so... I know you mentioned that one of your last times out there, you had an incident. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, actually, if I may, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Oh. Um, that is not allowed. This is not a podcast that can easily be edited, even though I'm not going to edit this part back into it. But... Right. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so that first, that first long ops, uh, we were doing a patrol, and somebody who used to be in my team uh, in quick story there so a platoon is four squads um a platoon is three squads <laughs> boot camp it's four okay um and then a squad <laughs> is three teams with a squad leader and sometimes like medical with mm -hmm. corpsman so um our rifleman the, the least senior the most junior person on our team got taken from our team and made the platoon radio operator okay. he didn't like it um, and so on that long ops, he volunteered to go on patrol with us again uh, so we could have our unit back together. And um, we were walking, patrolling, and we'd get, we were getting sniper fire uh, sporadically through this patrol. Well, he walked around the corner and he got shot. Okay. He got shot in the leg. Um, and so, like, you know, we got to go find this bad guy. Medical has to attend to him. He ended up being fine. I mean, he didn't die. Yeah. Uh, but he... He did have half of his abs taken to replace the muscle in his leg. So that was like our first real exposure to combat. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, so our friend goes down, and, and that's not cool. But... <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who says, oh, that was, you know, one of the best days of my life. Right. Like, maybe they shouldn't be in the military. <laughs> or maybe that person was really, really disliked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then on our way back from that long ops, long ops going back to uh, the base... Uh -huh. um, we were it was driving at night. We were driving without headlights, so we're using IR uh, headlights, which don't work as well. And it was like foggy as well, 
So it was really tough driving conditions. And we're driving five miles an hour. And we had these things um, that create like electronic interference so that people can't remote remotely detonate a bomb on us. But it sometimes messes with your radio. So we needed to call back to the base to tell them we're coming. So we turned off that thing. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> IED, um, Christmas tree lights. So uh, we saw it. We started backing up. They blow it up. Because uh, they also had that remote wireless debt. Um, uh-huh. uh, and since the radio thing was off, then it worked. Um, so that shook us up, um, cracked some windshields, but nothing too bad. So that was like uh-huh. the first one I hit. But yes, at the end of my deployment, um, we were doing, I guess you could say it, our last hurrah. Uh-huh. Go out to the worst part of our area of operation, and we were going to roll up a whole bunch of bad guys. But in the end, we ended up losing six vehicles and, I mean, narrowly missing death dozens of times. So I was driving a Humvee, and at the time it had some extra armor on the sides, but nothing underneath. And MRAPs weren't really a thing in uh, common use back then. What's an MRAP? Um, Is it like Mine a- resistant, uh, ambush protected vehicle so it's got a v-shaped hull it's taller it's larger carries more people more armor so it's uh mine proof or mine resistant yeah so it withstands attacks from ieds much better Uh so i hit an anti-tank mine on a humvee and humvees have less less armor than tanks just in case you didn't know yeah um and so that was a big boom my front left tire was like 75 meters uh from the from us we landed like 15 meters past the shot hole like it destroyed the front of our vehicle everyone was knocked out um you know we thought we were well we should have been dead Uh um but that was just like one of one of six vehicles we had one guy drive so fast that the ied blew up behind him um we had another vic um that they they yeah it was just a bad time so we uh we got Majorly knocked out, and that actually was the first and the only time we uh, we got told to stand down. So, like, no days off. After we hit that IED, they put us in a seven-ton and said, you're done working for the day. Uh-huh. Because we'd all got concussions, we weren't going to be mm-hmm. effective anymore. Yeah. So, uh, that happened. Yeah. And then, um, that was, like, pretty much the last time you went out, correct? Yes, yeah. Okay. And then, so what was it like flying, you probably, what was the transition back to civilian life like? So, so um, we've learned a lot since Vietnam, and this will definitely tie into the PTSD. Um, okay. So Vietnam, we used to send people out onesies, twosies to a unit. They'd do their stuff. It was very intense. You didn't know who the enemy was. And then you would come back and, like, sometimes within 24 hours, you're back in civilian life. Lots, yes, lots of issues with that. Obviously, we're seeing that more and more. Lots of Vietnam veterans suffering from PTSD. And obviously, it doesn't help with how civilians acted at the time Uh um, and the stereotypes along with it, especially given that a lot of them are forced to go in. But uh-huh. all that aside, we've learned a lot. So we go out as a unit now, which helps with bonding. It helps with decompression. And you no longer, um, you know, go from combat to civilian life right away. So we went from our FOB. We went to a safe base for two weeks. And then um, we went back to California for a couple of weeks. We had some 
debriefs and some um, classes to help us readjust and then eventually we came back um, home to see our families. So I think probably the time between us leaving the front line and being back home was like a month, but we've got all these people I still mm -hmm. keep in contact with most Good. of the unit. Um, so the it was a long transition back, but it's on purpose because it helps you readjust, mm -hmm. um, which is smart. Yeah. Um, going back a little bit, uh, my grandfather, he fought in Korea, and... Uh, he always laughs about this story, so I feel like I'm okay to tell it. Uh, when he came back home, like, again, this was pre-Vietnam, so, like, they still called it shell shock. Thank yep. you, cars out there, just honking your horns. <laughs> yeah, so um, he came home. Uh, he was working at a gas station, and he met this cute girl who was in a car one time who turned out to be my grandmother. And... You know, he asked her out on a date, and it was their first date. It was the 4th of July. No, it was Memorial Day or the 4th of July. And so they went to go see a movie, and then when they left, someone lit off firecrackers. He nearly took my grandmother down into the gutter. That was the moment when my grandma said, and that's when I knew he loved me. <laughs> because he, he was, like, yeah, he yeah. literally, like, instead of, you know, like, diving. Yeah, so he tried to protect her, and they both laugh about it now, but of course, you know, it's ha-ha-ha, PTSD, ha-ha. Yeah. So, but anyway. Um, well, I have a similar story. Oh, great, let's hear it. Um, I used to coach baseball for uh, high school, JV. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> I did this at a Christian high school. It's where I went to a, a Christian, private Christian um, high school, and so I coached there once I left, uh, you know, graduated. So, yeah. Um, I had to stop coaching when I got deployed. I came back, and they're like, hey, um, why don't you help us uh, coach again, you know, like, just for one time, just for old time's sake. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll coach first base. Of course. And so there's a track meet going on next door. Oh, jeez. And, oh, and no. Wouldn't you know, they start off the sprint with, of course, a pistol, and I hit the deck and drop some F-bombs, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, oops, uh, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> So, yeah. Gosh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because the school, it's the same school, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the track is right around the right baseball field. Yep. My, uh, the community band that I'm in, they practice over there. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Sometimes it's really nice when you get to the, uh, you know, the parking lot at during, like, around seven-ish and you see baseball games going on. Uh, yep. So it's just a lot of fun to watch baseball. Although I will never get over the ping of an aluminum bat versus a yeah. uh, crack. Yeah, yeah, wood bats are so much better. Uh, so much nicer. <laughs> um, so anyway, you get home. Uh, what was like the hardest thing to adjust back to after getting coming from... Well, After should, that I, month. should we go into like what combat I saw? To give oh yeah, that? sure, sure, okay. sure, sure. So, um, like everyone's experience is different, and the odd thing is, like we had people talking big talk before we got out there, and then like two weeks into our deployment, they're claiming PTSD and going back to battalion, and they're checking out already. So uh -huh. it's very interesting um, how it manifests in certain people, and uh -huh. you really never know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. Of course. Um, so that was interesting. Now, to my unit's credit, uh, we had a very good commander. Um, 
major at the time. And he really encouraged us to read uh, two books by Lieutenant Colonel Grossman called On Combat and On Killing. And it goes through the psychological, physiological aspects um, and effects that killing and combat have on you as an individual and how mm-hmm. you can prepare for it. So I think we're better prepared than most units going out there for that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, in my time, I mean, uh, countless firefights, some of them over, you know, over two hours long, um, mortared, again, countless times. I hit two IEDs. Um, really quick, uh, about how long is, like, the average firefight ballpark? Well, it really depends. Like, a lot of the time we're getting shot at pot shots from, like, 800 uh-huh. meters away, and that's not, you're not really going to do anything. Um, uh-huh. But I was never in the intense stuff like Phantom Fury, uh-huh. where it's house-to-house, close in, you're shooting at each other within 10 meters or whatever. Okay. Most of our stuff, like, was... 100 meters out or something like that okay um uh so yeah like Sorry. cheating death um like should have died so many times over fun stuff like that um yeah i mean like there is no thrill like surviving a firefight oh i'm sure like the endorphins and yeah. dopamine it's just like oh <gasps> i've got i've got like voice recordings because i was a scribe out there which means i uh. had to like record stuff that happened and send intel reports up and like it's it's ridiculous. We'll go in a firefight, and then we're just laughing about the dumbest stuff afterwards. Like it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> There's a dog over there. <laughs> <laughs> we're all cracking up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did lose um, five people in my unit, two friends of mine, um, and then I lost a third friend from a different company that was on that same deployment with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that was at the beginning of the deployment, like October time frame. Uh-huh. So it took. Oh, we gosh. we did really uh, well in our training. Like we were, and I don't know if they say this to every unit, but like we were doing better than active duty infantry units. You know, even some special force units on some of the stuff. Um, and so we're getting pumped up, and we get in country, and you know we're rocking it for the most part. We're doing well, and then like we lost our two our first two guys, and it just took it. It changed from a game to like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like, yeah, no kidding around. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, like it's death around every corner and having it sounds like you know five people die in like the first however many months well the five was over seven months but uh-huh. yeah i guess it's the difference between playing mario where you've got lives and dark souls <laughs> okay how's that i play no. i play computer games yeah. no no that's that's perfectly fine that's yeah. a great analogy that really I think simplifies it possibly a little bit hopefully but uh, so anyway so it goes from fun and games to oh my god yeah definitely uh-huh. so the I was gonna say something else I also have a bad memory maybe uh-huh. because of all those IEDs yeah if only we had a recording Right? Can play it back. <laughs> I don't want to stop the recording. No, don't. No. It, it was something that I wasn't saying uh, that was popping in my head as I was talking. But um, you get into combat, you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is real." Yeah, because you were told before that you were like better than the special units and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, training it went well, and it just seemed like things were going smoothly for the first few weeks. So it was uh-huh. definitely a shock when. Um, when we lost our those guys, mm-hmm. um, so it, I guess I, I think I had an intense deployment. It's certainly not um, the craziest thing I've ever heard of, mm-hmm. um, but 
I felt like I did my part, so I'll just, I'll, I guess that's uh-huh. a good way to put it. I wouldn't have been happy going on a deployment where I didn't do anything, just did guard duty the whole time. It's, uh, you've, have, I don't know, do you, are you able to watch war movies? I know my grandpa isn't. Yeah, I can watch, um, I haven't done a whole lot of it. Well, here's the weird thing. I hate scary stuff now. It was just way too intense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was out there during Ramadan, and like any, on that last day, <sighs> Any noise I heard, I thought, like, in a bag I was trying to well, climb up a ladder and kill me. Was... Well, of course, you were like, I'm going home here soon. Yeah. <laughs> but That was crazy. So, I, Doom 3, I'm a huge Doom fan. I love 1 and 2. I tried playing 3. I can't touch 3. Yeah. I don't know why. It's too scary. So, yeah, you were the one who introduced me to Doom, by the way. It's classic. Yeah. Right? You gotta play <laughs> you, We got the freeware version, yeah. if I recall. Heck yeah. Um, But, uh, so, so uh, oh, uh, Jarhead. The okay, movie so, Jarhead, yeah, like he was really disappointed that he basically sat around. The only firing he did was up in the air right. at the end, right? Uh huh. So, yeah, I was happy if uh, you can put it that way with my deployment that it felt like a real deployment. So when it comes to movies, I'm a co- I've watched um, Saving Private Ryan. I've watched some of the Pacific and Brother Band of Brothers. Um, but I guess what pisses me off most is the takes on modern. Oh Netflix, yeah, because. Like, there might be some truth to them, but it just seems to, uh, it doesn't seem accurate as a whole. Especially, like, the Hurt Locker and some of uh-huh. the shenanigans. Um, did you watch American Sniper, by chance? I did, actually, and that one I liked a lot, yes. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, and I've seen, what was the one that had the seals in it? Um, Act of Honor or Valor or something? Well, there's, what, the only one, there's 13 Hours, Zero Dark Thirty, uh... I haven't seen either of those. There's another one with, um... Oh, I forget the dude's name. That was Soul Survivor or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Soul Survivor. Yeah. Or Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. But um, American Sniper, uh, I think, was the best one done from all of those. Um, okay. And he happened to be in Fallujah around when I was in there for part of it. I okay. didn't know who he was at the time. I don't think anybody really did uh, until... Yeah, until later. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I guess it more's just a little too complex, and I don't appreciate how, uh, like PTSD. Yeah, so get okay. the actual okay. thing. Like PTSD isn't. Well, I guess there's varying levels, but it's not. Like I think there's too much of a stereotype now uh-huh. that oh, you're a veteran and you're in in country in combat, you have PTSD, you're broken and you're gonna flip at any time, and like that's that's just mm-hmm. gonna happen. That's there's a guarantee, and I don't think that's true. No, uh, actually, um, one thing. Oh no, that's something else. Um, so, so I, I have my little DSM. Ah, nice. Uh, Did we figure out what that stands for yet? Uh, no, <laughs> it's. Uh, we'll go with. I'll let you come up with one. You're um, the guy. It's not radio appropriate, although it is Marine Corps appropriate. <laughs> if it has, I'll cut it. What were you? <laughs> yeah, no, that isn't appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> That's Marine Corps uh, humor Yay. for you. Uh, um, uh, I know we've used like Dungeon Sex Manual <laughs> once hmm. before. Uh, hmm. Marine Corps <laughs> warped me too much. I can't. Uh, uh, can't come up with anything. Damn sexy man. All right. <laughs> um, Five. So what does it say? Okay. So um, we know you have PTSD. And event, I think this might be a good way how to kind of describe what you feel at times. Um, so, <laughs> A, 
exposed to actual or threatened death, <laughs> serious injury, or sexual violence in one or more of the following ways. Uh, did you experience uh, any traumatic events by chance? <laughs> A few. Yeah, I was going to say, if we mentioned, what, like ten of them already? Yeah. Uh, witness a person, uh, the traumatic event as they occurred to others. So, oh, yep, definitely. Yeah. Last I checked. Learned of traumatic events? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably did. <laughs> I would answer ask these questions, but... Here, uh, yeah, none of them are, like, really funny this time. Because there's, like, uh, they use words that are way outdated to try and sound hip and cool, it seems like. Um, uh, by the way, you need to get at least one of these from A, B, and C. And right now we're just an A. Oh, alright. Uh, experience repeated or extreme exposure to adverse details of the traumatic event. So, were, were you in extreme... Did you have extreme exposure um, to yeah, <laughs> traumatic events? I think so. Okay, so, so far, you seem to be, yeah, persistence of one of the following intrusion symptoms exposing... Okay, so this is now we're in present day. Mm -hmm. uh, recurrent, involuntary, or intrusive, distressing memories of the traumatic events. Check. Yeah. So, essentially, I think that would be kind of a flashback yeah they I can think. call it yep uh-huh so um granted my i have flashbacks too but my flashbacks are like oh my gosh i said something stupid and then like i like wince and stuff like that i'm assuming yours might be like a touch worse than that just different <laughs> yeah just, just different. different yeah see that's why i like hanging around you <laughs> because um i remember when you we were talking it was after boot camp, before you went. Mm -hmm. So, like, I went to your father's house. He was my financial advisor. Oh, yep. And uh, you were in town. And I was like, oh, awesome. You know, we get to talk a little bit. And I remember saying, man, like, I feel like I'm doing nothing compared to what you're going to be doing. And then you're like, oh, no, it's just different things. Yeah. Like, and uh, it seems like every military person I met, like, I'm, okay. I, I'm jumping around. It's part That's of fine. the issue. Um, when, like, Memorial Day, today, mm -hmm. when someone thanks you for your service, mm -hmm. do you ever feel like, you know, like, I'm sure no matter what you appreciate it, but do you ever think as just kind of doing my job? Yeah, that's a really weird one, because... I don't know really how to respond to that because <laughs> I feel like I just right I just did my job and the people that we should like be more thinking uh -huh. aren't around yeah but like even on like uh, Veterans Day or the 4th of July or yeah I typically respond with it was an honor because uh -huh. when I first tried to get in the Marine Corps they rejected me yeah I, I had a heart murmur well I still have a heart murmur uh -huh. and they said well uh, you're not fit for it and I said watch this and I submitted my uh, cross country records. You know, my I had three doctors look at me. So, for me, uh -huh. I was just glad to be able to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And I realized not everyone can. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm just... raising my hand right now. <laughs> hey, I'm flat footed, asthmatic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just honored uh -huh. to, to have been able to do it because I, I don't want to take that for granted. I don't know. If I really deserve thanks for whatever, but 
I, I find it difficult to chop fruit at work because I have to stand there for, gosh, oh. a whole eight hours. Do with you at least like get a mat? Two, no, actually. <laughs> actually, no, we don't. That stinks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. It's, man, I, I envy you. You had to deal with that. Oh, I have, I mean, I have to deal with chopping fruit. Gosh, <laughs> it's so annoying. Like, they only give us two breaks and a lunch. I know, right? Man. <laughs> oh yeah, anyway, back to this. Um dissociative reactions. Oh, this is the flashback one. So, okay. we said that. Uh intense or prolonged psychological distress at exposure to internal or external cues. Mm-hmm. So that's like the can't if you stop watch thinking it, about it. Can't stop thinking about it or like the gunshot mm-hmm. thing, I believe. Uh Oh, nope, that was the next one. So, and persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with the traumatic events. Yep, yep. So, this is a C. Oh, okay. So, uh, avoidance of, or efforts to avoid, distressing memories, thoughts, or feelings about closely associated with the traumatic events. Sorry, I can't read. Oh. I'm a music major. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm assuming, like, you avoid, like, you said you can do war movies, but you can't, like, play Doom yeah, that might also be touching on, like, lots of veterans hate crowds. Oh, okay. Uh, just because there's, like, uh, crowds were so bad in country because there's so much risk that yeah. you, when you come back, um, it's just too much risk to deal with. Like, uh-huh. So you avoid it. You won't go into a mall or a place that has more than, you know, a couple dozen people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> this is long. Yeah. So, um, let's go over to D. Negative alterations in cognitions and mood, so blah, blah, blah. Uh, are there some aspects of the trauma you can't recall? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. No, why that, that seems is. like, yeah, that's like asking, uh, do you remember that thing you can't remember? Right. Uh huh. Well, I so, got friends. That are like, hey, remember this? And I'm like, ah, uh, no, I don't. But I don't know if that's because... <laughs> Granted, you can tell me some secret about our childhood, and I'd be like, oh, no, I have PTSD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I hit my head, and I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we'll stop with that. That gets okay. boring after a while. So I'd much rather hear your story than <laughs> that. So uh, you are coming home... Yep, so, um, an intense deployment, um, and I was young, I was 21 coming back, so I had proposed to my fiancé before I left, Mm -hmm. um, which worked out pretty well and kind of had its issues. I mean, I didn't have to plan a wedding, which was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, love you, hon. But then, uh... Don't worry, she won't listen to this. Nobody (laughs) listens to the show. But then, like, we had already had our wedding date set, so I got home, and we were getting married in, like, two months. Oh, wow. And from having, we, we didn't live together before that, and I'm a very different person on some levels than I was before I left, mm-hmm. so we have to get used to each other with that. I'm dealing with PTSD, although I'm not admitting it at the time, uh-huh. and we're trying to get through the stress of planning and doing a wedding. So it was very weird because we argued like every single day for two months. It <laughs> Perfect. was horrible. Perfect for a brand new possible uh, wedding. Yeah, yeah. And then we got married, and like the next day, arguments were gone. It was a very weird switch. Uh-huh. Like things got a lot better, but there was just so much 
to deal with. And we were both in college. We were both working minimum wage jobs. Um, so, of course, there's a lot of money stress and getting to know each other. And I think one of the... Um, tr uh, well, first of all, let me back up. I'm very conscious when I drink. So uh -huh. um, I will not drink if I'm emotionally upset because I don't want to, you know, create a dependence on yeah. family that's, uh, that are alcoholics. Um, uh -huh. And so a lot of veterans do have an issue with alcohol. So that was just another reason I was very careful with it. So I never had a drinking problem. But um, I don't know why I said that. But uh, well, when we were... So, oh, yeah. So the thing that really um, brought it to my attention, though, not drinking but PTSD, is my friend was joined the Marine Corps after me, and he was getting deployed. So we were hanging out, and I told my wife at the time, or we're still married, sorry, told my wife. <laughs> wife at the time. Yeah. Who's still your current wife. <laughs> Small detail. Yeah, whatever. Um, that I was going to see the original Transformers cartoon movie with my friend. Oh. So we're watching it. We're having a good time. The good one, you mean. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and then like six hours later, I'm still not home because we were just hanging out and talking. So uh -huh. she... Calls me, he's like, Where are you? What's going on? The movie's supposed to be, you know, three hours long and you're not home yet. And I'm like, Fine, I'm coming home or whatever. And I'm just very upset because why would she investigate why I'm eight hours late from coming home? Like, that's uh -huh. creepy that she would look up how long the movie runs and, and compare it or whatever. That's what's going through my head. So I get in the door and my wife is, you know, asking me what's going on and she's not even being that accusatory. Like, she's curious. And I just flipped out. I walked to my fridge and punched it Ooh. and then I headbutted my closet door and then I took my $300 Oakleys and slammed them on the ground and broke them and then I just sat there fuming so then I was like yeah that was that was a bit of an extreme reaction uh, <laughs> I don't know why I did that um, and so it even took a few months after that to, uh, to uh -huh. really get convinced to go in um, but eventually I did uh, and just one other side note, thank goodness I've never been physical with a person. Um, I know that's also an, uh, a large uh -huh. issue. So, Like abusive. Um, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can see how it'd be easy to do. I mean, you kind of aren't thinking straight when you're, mm -hmm. when you're flipping out. Um, so, it, I don't know, you just got to be... I guess, I don't know what stopped me from doing that. If I would just had hard limits that I you know, wouldn't go yeah. past ahead of time or what. But mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I didn't. So, I went to the VA... And there's good things and bad things with the VA, but um, started talking with a psychologist and a psychiatrist, and it helped a bit. They just wanted to push medications right away, and uh -huh. I have no issue with medication, but I wanted to try stuff outside of medication, um, and or at least as a first step. Um, uh -huh. They didn't really seem interested in that, and so I was taking a whole bunch of medication, and now um, my wife and I waited to have sex yeah. until we were married, so... Here I am, a 21-year-old, newlywed, who's only been having sex for three months uh -huh. or whatever. And I'm on these medications, and I have no sex drive. That happens, actually. Yes. And it was driving me crazy. It was driving my wife crazy. Uh -huh. um, I just, to me, it wasn't worth it. So I stopped taking the medications so uh -huh. that I could be a normal husband uh -huh. in some ways. Yeah. Uh, they've gotten... How long have you been out about 10 years, right? Yeah, about 10 years, yeah. Uh, medication has gotten better, just letting That's you know. That's good. I don't... Uh -huh. I was just disappointed with how quick they pushed it, and uh -huh. um, they didn't seem receptive to my complaints with it, like... Yeah. 
I think there's a like a mix of medications that would have worked. Oh yeah, and not had those side effects. Oh yeah. Um, one thing that I love about my psychiatrist is he's one of he's a person who's like, um, he's we set up medication, we kept it as low as possible, and eventually he plans on waning it out. Because he's a firm believer in the less medication, the better. Yeah, you know, cool. make sure you're okay. Yeah. But you know, let's try and get you at a level because there are side effects. Like with clonopin, which is my anxiety medication, uh, long term exposure to it, they've found possible links to Alzheimer's. Yeah, I cool. know. Yeah. Let's so, get off that again. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, you get home, you talk to your psychiatrist. And psychologists, uh, did you ever go to afterwards? It sounded like you weren't happy with them too mm-hmm. much. Did you ever go to like a private therapy session or no, anything like that? We didn't have much money, so it was VA or nothing for us. Okay. Um, no, I never did private. I I worked with them for a little bit, and then I just kind of stopped again. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an issue with, especially like. Well, so yeah, that's the other thing. PTSD, more commonly nowadays, is associated with combat, but really it started with, like, maybe not started, but it was bigger uh, with, like, tornado victims, rape victims. Like, you can get PTSD yeah. by, other, by yeah. other means. You can get attacked by a swarm of bees, and you'll right. have PTSD. Right. Um, uh, but in the veteran community, there's a stigma with it, especially when I was in. And the other worry is, if you're still in and you're getting this stuff, then you might not be allowed to serve. Uh-huh. Um, and there can be other repercussions on uh-huh. what you're allowed to have and, and not have. So a lot of people will refuse help because uh-huh. of the side, you know, yeah. ancillary things with it. Which is kind of, it creates a stigma against it. It makes it so that people who actually need the help can't get the help. Yeah. And granted, there are probably times when if you have a disorder, you probably shouldn't be serving. Right. But at the same time, like if you, there are times where if you have the have a disorder, it seems like it wouldn't be too much of a, it'd be a little bit more difficult for you, but you should still be able to serve or help or do something somehow. And that's, yeah, that's the crux of it is like PTSD, um, it's like there's varying levels of it and um, sometimes it goes away for some people, and sometimes it doesn't. And people can uh-huh. go through the exact same thing and not have PTSD. Like uh-huh. what you read, everyone in my unit went through that. Uh-huh. Not everyone has PTSD. It's yeah. weird. Like everyone thinks, oh, all military people, you know, have PTSD. I, I'll be honest. Like when we first had coffee after, we ended up running into each other at my job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like. I was sitting doing inventory, and then, like, you had to use the restroom, and it was just, like, we met eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, like, Andrew? <laughs> or Andy, probably. Yeah. Andy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, um, but I thought, oh, yeah, everyone in the military, because I put myself in your position, and I'm, like, oh, I would be so screwed up afterwards, because, like, my mind, it, it didn't go through the training of you know, being able to handle all of that. But I know, like, everyone thinks about military being suicide, having high rates of suicide, but if you actually compare military suicide rates to the rest of the, you know, civilian population, 
they're about even. Well, so that also gets to another interesting point is military as a whole. There's so many jobs in the military that it's almost, it's difficult to quantify it correctly. So um, there's this dynamic in the infantry. There's infantry and there's pogues, especially in the Marine Corps is how we refer to it. Pogues are personnel other than grunt. It doesn't sound derogatory, but it's one of the most derogatory things you can say to a Marine uh-huh. if they're not infantry. Um, no, it sounds quite derogatory. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. if I heard that, I'd be like, oh, that, like, grunt is not a normal term <laughs> yeah. that you would hear. Like, everyone likes to bash on grunts for being dumb and having a stupid, easy job or whatever, uh-huh. um, which... It's not true. <laughs> well, right, like, it's gotten a lot more... Um, uh, mentally tough over the years uh-huh. uh, you still have to follow orders and salt hills and all that stuff but of course we can't do our job without uh-huh. the supporting element but it's like they want to trash us for being dumb but we take pride in that so it's really more of a compliment <laughs> to us you know oh gosh you guys are weird <laughs> oh yeah and so then we you know make fun of them too but um what just doesn't make sense to me is how like people who have not been in combat are claiming ptsd uh-huh. And it almost seems like it's the thing to have now. If you were in the military, uh-huh. oh, I got PTSD because I went through a real thing. That's the proof that uh-huh. I did a real deployment. Uh-huh. But if you were sitting at a large base, uh-huh. serving up food, getting mail, doing uh-huh. radio, like, there's no way for you to get PTSD. There's nothing traumatic. Well, unless they think they're thinking about what they're doing, maybe a little bit more. So, like... The fact that, like, um, air drone. Uh, well, that, that, right, that, that's definitely. Uh, but, um, but imagine if you were the person who knew, okay, I'm sending this message to the air drone person, you know, very technical term there, right. I know. But from, like, higher command down to the air drone person, I am responsible for these deaths as I pass them on. Mm-hmm. Like, I could have easily stopped it right there, but no, yeah. I have to do my job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Granted, I know, I understand, I can I can empathize with that yeah. as a civilian. I guess I'm just saying, um, I think there's more people claiming it that actually, uh, well, not numbers-wise, uh-huh. but there's people that claim it that don't need to because it's the thing to, and then there's so many jobs outside of, like, what you would think of as a Marine. Uh-huh. Um, that when we so if we look at suicide rates or PTSD rates, it's not quite uh, fair to do it as a base level of the military. I think it should yeah. be broken down further into those jobs that you have. Mm-hmm. So the suicide rate for infantry might be a lot. I don't know the numbers. Yeah. Might be a lot higher than it is for um, for an admin clerk. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But because there's more admin clerks in infantry, it balances it out. So. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's and, the case. I'm just saying yeah. that there's so many jobs that it's difficult to quantify mm-hmm. at that level. And I, as always, I always think of like if the doctor says that you do have PTSD, because there are people who's who self-diagnose themselves mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah. And to me, I trust doctors enough to know if they say and they know how to weed out BS, mm-hmm. and they are. Um, they're trained to you know tell and the other thing is psychology is so weird it's yeah. like one of the only you know medical fields where you have to be like okay what do you, what are you thinking it's so subjective in your head mm-hmm. but 
overall, I trust them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and granted, I understand there are people who also can lie. <laughs> yeah, know? I was just going to say that. Like, the symptoms of PTSD are so commonly known now that, and there's not much proof to it. Like you're saying, it's in your mm-hmm. head. So it's, okay, what are your symptoms? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, it checks that, 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 and that. Uh-huh. Well, I guess I guess you have mm-hmm. it. And then what's sad is, like, there are some lesser known, you know, symptoms. I'm sure there's more than what's in here. I have the pocketbook. There's, <laughs> I've seen the original, like, the full, the full volume of, you know, the, what is it? The Drudge Storm Machine. There we go. Yeah, there we go. We'll do that. So, anyway. So, now that we're in present day (laughs) how are you feeling now how's your coping so it's it's uh it's a lot better than when i first started and what really changed that is i did end up going back to the va um i used to go on a rotation where i would be okay for a couple months and then around uh it was twice a year so memorial day in October, I used to have a couple months of um, just, you know, compounded issues, whether uh-huh. it's, I don't know, if, like, well, I don't want to self-diagnose, but depression or uh-huh. just sadness, not functioning well, can't well, stop thinking about. Also, October, that's when you first, around when you first got deployed, right? Or That's when our friend, my friend died. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you, you have a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, it just had gone on for years, and I was like, okay, I'm just kind of sick of this. It's just uh-huh. affecting everything. So I went back to the VA, and um, I did get uh, a very good counselor. Um, the person helped me a ton, and we started with a group. Mm-hmm. What did they call it? It was, it was, an, it was in, well, yeah, there's been so much study into TBI and PTSD mm-hmm. um, that things have changed Um quite a bit which is cool but we did this group where we were asked questions and we had to write out like um descriptions of you're talking about uh dbt uh dialectical basic uh, training no it's um it's a form of uh cbt which is cognitive uh geez andrew learn these words you're you're it's a very common it's like group therapy you fill out worksheets you kind of talk things out and it's a way to kind of calm your head a little bit yeah it was um it was i'm i'm i try to be a logical person Uh uh-huh so there was a lot of logic uh in it so you never talked about the specific circumstances that um that really give you problems but you would talk about those circumstances and then it would say like um, okay, you uh, you went to the mall and you felt unsafe. Okay, why did you feel unsafe? Okay, because there's so many people. Okay, why is that a bad thing? Well, it's because, you know, in Iraq, uh, whenever there are a bunch of people, the likelihood of being shot or someone having a bomb on them was huge. Okay, you're in America. Is uh-huh. that an issue? Uh, I, guess, this, I guess not. This is exactly, yeah, it's DBT, because, which is uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. You okay. have this conversation in your head yeah. to try and bring... This is going to sound really weird and people are going to not like me for this, but emotions are... Can be... Now they won't hate me. Emotions can be a very bad thing mm-hmm. because it throws your mind out of whack. Dialectical behavior therapy 
makes it so that you think about what you're you feel like this anxiety coming on so you're like okay you know stop what you're doing right now why do i feel this okay and like you said you know in the yeah you went through dbt training man and (laughs) and the other thing that they focused on was avoidance so like what i had and most of us have been doing is avoiding all this stuff avoiding about thinking it and it just kind of lets it steep in your subconscious it makes things worse so don't avoid it think about it uh-huh. and i think uh the point was to slowly work into it so oh, you're yeah. not jumping into it but you could go into those thoughts and then you could you had the ability to pull back out um if it was getting too intense and then you go back in again uh-huh. and eventually instead of avoiding all these bad issues and thoughts you can think about them and then work through them and so that helped a ton mm-hmm. um and then i did some one-on-one uh sessions with uh my therapist and that helped a lot and things were good um and then what i forget the dates okay it's right before isis got big in iraq okay so so to jump back into my deployment we started what at the time was an illegal militia where we were arming the people uh-huh. um which was against the rules at the time because essentially essentially we we were um feeding them weapons and stuff and they would mm-hmm. feed us intel we would work together it actually worked out really really well it was one of the regions reasons the surge worked and it worked in ramadi uh-huh. like a month before us um so the guy who started this the our point of contact um the way things work out there is you got your family groups you got a shake uh he's like their religious le- mm-hmm. uh, local leader so this was a minor shake that was looking for more power essentially in his family he worked with us uh, we went by the code name of dark and things were super successful um like like the by the time we left the people the iraqi people didn't want us to leave like they in, they appreciated us they liked us and attacks were way down things were so much better once we left it was really cool mm-hmm. um this guy got elected into the government after we left you know he was a popular guy uh-huh. uh he got assassinated in january of like 14 maybe oh that sucks a lot yeah like we were Uh we worked with him a lot that was really bad Mm -hmm. and like four months later Fallujah fell to ISIS and then things went bad like all of that work was like gone all of our friends almost their lives almost felt like nothing at that point Uh so I went back in for some more Uh um, training and uh, again the therapist was able to help out so I would say uh, the VA therapist um, hmm. despite the VA's missteps, uh, ended up helping a lot, but... It, it sounds like you might have just had a couple of bad doctors. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of the issue with the VAs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That, there are issues with... There are issues with everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like if you had this person to start, yeah, it, it would have helped. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always had a very supportive family. Uh, yeah, that's... friend network, and that is key as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the job I work now is very uh, um, rewarding, so uh-huh. that also helps. I mean, all these things play into to PTSD. I still keep in contact with my friends that I deployed with, so that uh-huh. certainly helps. But I would also say the largest, for me, the largest thing that changed um, and helps helps me deal with it is my faith. So back in thirteen, I was kind of, I would consider myself a Christian but I don't know if I was practicing that well uh-huh. but had some very um, tough struggles in 13 and so became a lot more uh, invested involved in my faith and uh-huh. um, the yeah that's just 
guess I don't even know how to how to say it, but say whatever. <laughs> it just helped things. Like everything seemed more doable, and like mm-hmm. I could deal with anything at that point. So those combination of things have really helped it. So the the problem though is um, some of the effects will like never go away. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's gotten better, but like I still wake up at night with visions um, almost. Every, oh, pretty much every single night uh, on on cue I will fall asleep for half an hour and wake up like like not like I will later in the night where it's like I had a bad dream about it but I'll wake up thinking like I just heard somebody shooting and I'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah I, I, I can I can understand that like no I can't but I mean I I see that being a common issue with, yeah. in the military because it's like Okay, I'm going to sleep. You still have your guard up, and then you start to drift, and then you notice that your guard is going down, and then, yep. and then suddenly it's like, wait, my guard is going down, yeah. and it goes right back up. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, I do a lot better with crowds now. Mm-hmm. Um, still don't like my back to doors or windows. Yeah, um, I know when we went shooting, I noticed where you, we went to Taco Bell oh, afterwards, yeah. and I noticed where you sat us, and it's yep. like, oh, okay, you know. I mean, we've gotten to the point where I don't need to um, face uh-huh. that stuff. But... Actually, it, uh, your back was to a window that day. <laughs> oh yeah, the place uh-huh. is surrounded by windows. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but you were you were definitely in a nook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so it's like that stuff. Uh, from what my therapist was mm-hmm. saying, will always be around. It's just my ability to bounce back, or you know, uh-huh. it hits and then I'm over it. Is um, will get quicker over time. Mm-hmm. It's you aren't through therapy. You aren't trying to get rid of it. You're trying to be able to control it because getting rid of it is impossible. Right. Uh-huh. I'm going to live with it, and it's going to be have less of an impact on my life as time goes on. Hopefully. Awesome. We'll see. This is like an awesome episode. I'm so excited <laughs> to get this one out. Like before before we started, you were like, "Oh, I'm so nervous about this," and it's like. Dude, we're just, we are literally having coffee and yeah. <laughs> just talking. Just talking to this after, after a while, you forget there's a microphone there. I know. Am I close <laughs> enough to it? I can always boost up. It's always okay. better to uh, have it too low than too high because you can always boost up, but oh, it can good. only clip. When it starts clipping, then oh, you have to bring nice. it down. I gotcha. And, okay. and you can't do that because then it's just all like... Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Which is beautiful sounds for the audience to I'm hear. Sure. So, um, do you have uh, one thing? We do hashtag one nice thing. So, kind of start getting your where you need to do that. But we'll do that at okay. the end. Um, now, granted, you don't have any podcasts or Twitter feeds or anything like that. Nothing fun uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Something that you enjoy? It could be anything, okay. literally anything. I will plug Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It really, that's been the biggest uh-huh. uh, effect on my life. Okay. It's given me the calming uh, manner to just believe that God is uh-huh. in control, to trust in his plan, that uh, even if I don't see how things are going to work out, uh, if I trust in him, that's all I have to worry about. Oh, okay. Good. Um, any video game? No. <laughs> okay, so Mass Effect 4. Oh my gosh, what a train wreck. And Mass Effect 3, are you kidding me? Like, I would told myself after Mass Effect 3, I would never buy another EA game. And actually, to this day, I still have not. I was so tempted with Mass Effect 4 Andromeda. And then I was like, well, I'm going to at least wait to see how the reviews are out. And again, they ruined it. 
No, I, I yeah, that's forget this war stuff. I, well, this is your anger point. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that's another good thing. So. PTSD, right? Uh-huh. Um, lack of control of everything. That's one of the uh, overriding issues with PTSD. You don't have control <laughs> of your mind or your surroundings. So, oddly enough, what I've gone into computers, and I I was going to go into biochemistry. Um, I think I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Um, and then I was in Iraq, and I got a magazine, and it was a gaming computer magazine. And so my dad, as you mentioned earlier, uh-huh. owned a computer company, and I I built computers since I was ten. I remember us taking those little switches out yeah. and Moving putting in the A drive, so that way there they had the floppy disk in it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Your father used our tiny little fingers like slave yes. <laughs> wages. Uh, so smart. <laughs> That's why you have children, right? You're going to oh, start your yeah. own. They're gonna they're gonna mow my lawn. Do my weeding, do my dishes, and that, then they'll build computers with me. That's the whole point of children, right? Yep, free labor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who cares so, about love and compassion? Yeah, who cares about that? <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I saw that, and like all these things had changed. I like I left computers when we were still using Pentium threes. Uh huh. Um, so USB had come out. SATA drives to replace IDE cables came out. Uh huh. Um, you know, the core <laughs> processors, like all these big changes. I was like, holy crap. So I was like, that's cool. I'm going to go back to school for that. So I did. And it actually, I think, ended up helping with my PTSD as well because because um, I can control a computer and I don't have to feel bad uh-huh. morally. I'm not trying to control a person. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I can make a computer do whatever I want to do. So that gave me a sense of control. Awesome. Um and, I, and so video games manifest in that way too like I, I can play video games and they do what they want uh-huh. now kind of the flip side to that is when I can't get the computer to do what I want it to do then I really get pissed off because I can't <laughs> even do that right yeah um, but yeah oddly enough I think computers have helped with my issues uh, to give me an outlet to kind uh-huh. of just sit in there be self-contained not worry about anything else it does uh-huh. what I want there's no moral issues with it it's honestly like people You've heard of mindfulness before, right? Where it's basically meditation and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And whenever I tell people, like, I'm into mindfulness, uh, they're like, meditation? Oh, man, I couldn't do meditation because you have to sit there and just do nothing for a long time. And my thought is, okay, what do you enjoy doing? And yeah. they're like, in your case, you're like, oh, you know, I like making computers. And I'm like, when you're making computers, are you thinking about what happened in the past? No. Are you thinking about what's going to happen? I mean, kind of, but mostly I'm thinking about what's happening in front of me. And yeah. I'm like, congratulations, you're meditating. You're meditating, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's that's great. Do you remember what magazine it was? Was it C- Maximum PC? <gasps> yep. It's still out, um, nope. I believe. Yeah, they just combined with PC Gamer. Oh, they did? Yeah, so their website is now the hardware section of PC Gamer. Oh, um, I'm surprised PC. I remember like magazines are gonna last forever. Oh, yeah. Nope, they yeah. they died. Like I remember, I used to be a CGW guy, Computer Gaming World, which oh. turned into Games for Windows magazine. Oh yeah, and like I listened. That's where I got started with podcasting, actually, because I listened to their podcast. Okay, and um, but I remember when they went out of business, and I was like, oh, that hit me in the stomach, but. Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So your plug is Christianity and yep. avoiding <laughs> Mass EA. Effect. Although, <laughs> EA. I don't know if EA makes it. Titanfall 2 looks pretty sweet, and so does Star uh, Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. 
Like one of these days, we need to have you on here to talk about just Star Wars, like get you in with the other guys. Um, anyway, um, so you can follow this show um, on Twitter at uh, I almost used quote unquote guilties. You can follow this show at Deal with Philip. Um, you can find us on any major podcasting whatsoever things. Give us five star or four star ratings on iTunes. Uh, you can help support us by going to patreon.com slash word salad. Uh, we have four podcasts on our site or in our as things in our network there. <laughs> uh, we have, of course, this one. Uh, quote unquote guilty, which we mentioned before, is a guilty pleasure podcast. Uh, that's hosted by Joe. Uh, it's you can follow that at quote yeah follow that at quote guilty. Uh, there's Cadavercast, which is uh, Jeff and his five year old son talking about monster movies. Uh, you can follow that at cadaver underscore cast cadaver underscore cast. Gosh, why do we have such long ones? And then um, we have our final one is called the Countdown Movie and TV Review Podcast. It's two Australians talking about uh, TV and movies, and they make top ten lists or bottom ten lists, depending on their day, of different topics. So uh, go listen to those and don't forget word salad or not word salad uh patreon.com slash word salad so please enjoy that you get some bonus content if you donate even as little as one dollar a month so now comes the fun part one nice thing no one else is like you that's actually a really good one and hashtag one nice thing Hashtag one nice thing. I'm able to put out this podcast with, like, super interesting people. So, anyway, uh, thank you very much. And uh, see you guys next time. Actually, next week. Because this is going up on Memorial Day, which is today. So, alright. Have a good day. It's always awkward ending these. Am so. I supposed to say something else? No. Word Salad Productions. Wonky Oranges, Righteous Dragons.